It's the August 2nd, 2019 edition of Weekly Signals Meltdown, a reconfiguration of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And as always, Mahler, the fake news dog. <laughs> Coming up, the new toady of national intelligence, Marion Williamson, robot cage fights, and more. But first, you know in the next life, Mike? Yeah. As you pass away? Uh-huh. If you could come back as any animal, what would it be? Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, Nathan, I'm going to... Yeah. This has got nothing to do with nothing, except that many, many years ago, I took a class. It was one of the, back in the New Age era, remember that? Back when people were consulting with crystals and being at the moon and all that kind of stuff. I was told that my spirit animal. Oh, a spirit animal. I, I, I was see. told by, by a woman who should know yeah. that I was a coyote. Oh, really? Yeah. Hey, you're not a coyote. I didn't, well, I didn't you're not think. A coyote, well, but she geez. told me she made me stand coyote. up in front of. She was. I was standing there in front of thirty people, and she told me I was a coyote. I'm not. What am I going to say? She was flirting with you. She. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't mind coming back as a turtle. Jeez. Well, because See, that's why you're not a coyote. <laughs> they they Coyotes live a long don't time. Say to themselves. They seem. Boy, I wish I was a turtle. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. They seem like they're very nice animals. Turtles. They they live a long time. They're pretty mellow. They eat lettuce. How vicious but they can't and... survive without their shell. Well, that's true. Uh-oh. Well, I, I live in a shell. That's so. yeah, true. <laughs> I think your spirit animal is a turtle. It's a turtle. For the first time, a government is supporting a plan to create animal embryos with human cells and bring them to term, resulting in a human-animal chimera. Yeah. That's what they call those things. Chimeras. Yeah, chimera. They got two different zygotes. So in other words, yeah. human, yeah. monkey. In fact, they're working on human monkeys in China right now. Right. The committee from Japan's science ministry signed off on a request by researchers to grow human pancreases in either rats or mice. Uh, researchers have previously created human-animal embryos like sheep and pig embryos with human cells, but those pregnancies were terminated after a few days or weeks. Yeah. So they didn't want to see the human pig. Yeah, pig army. We're not ready for that. You know? <clears throat> oh, yeah. This experiment aims to eventually bring chimera embryos to term, resulting in the birth of real, living, breathing humanimals. That's right, humanimals. That sounds like a cereal, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, little little humanimals. Little humanimals. You could do it like like a cinetar kind of things. You can have all kinds of little... Ah, the monkey rat. The monkey rat. (laughs) <laughs> but this isn't a way to cross yourself with your favorite animal, Mike, like the tortoise. Like the we tortoise. couldn't have well, I don't think the we turtle, could. Mike. That would be very interesting. I could see it. Yeah. I could see it. Scientists are hoping to one day provide a source of transplantable human organs is, from these human animals. This is where it gets weird. So yeah. we're creating this hybrid manimals. Yeah. In order to harvest their organs. Doesn't that sound ghoulish? Hume animals. Oh, hume animals. Hume animals. That's right. Hume animals. They're not woman animals and animals. animals. So doesn't it sound very creepy? Ethically? Go ahead. Ethically? Yeah. What what do you... 
What do you think? Where are you going to kill the pig to get the, yeah, the pig, human liver, human animal, yeah. kidney, yeah, uh, kidney whatever. whatever it is? Yeah. I guess. I mean, we would, slaughter. Would you take one? No, we slaughter pigs every day, yeah. all day long. So it's why not, not as, make it more productive? Well, yeah. Would this, you eat a human animal organ? Oh, my. I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. First of all, I'm not worried about it happening during my lifetime. <laughs> Meanwhile, according to a new study, early humans made it with more human species than scientists previously thought. Well, that figures. Well, apparently we were a randy bunch back yeah. then, weren't we? Well, yeah, we still are. Yeah. It's likely anatomically modern humans procreated with at least four other species of humans thousands of years ago. Yes, four of them. And in yeah. Iowa, they still do. <laughs> uh, just kidding there, yeah, Iowa. Just, we love yeah. you, Ida- yeah. Iowa or Idaho or wherever you are, whatever that is. Ohio. Ohio, Ohio. one of those. <laughs> we already knew that we mated with Neanderthals and Denisovans, but now there are more. Two yet unnamed human groups. They have the Denisovans. Yeah. How about the uh, Dennis Hoppers? <laughs> <laughs> or, or the Dennis Millers? Or the Dennis Learys? Yeah. There's, Dennis there's, Leary's. A, whole there's a whole slew of Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> so far, genetic traces of the mystery species have only been found in modern populations currently living in Southeast Asia. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And in Jeffrey Epstein's mansion. <laughs> was this island? Was this a, is New New Mexico or was that? A, he had an island too. Was that Jeffrey where, Epstein? Yeah, yeah. Well, who knows? This isn't serious, Mike. It's super. I've just added super the Jeffrey cr- I know. Epstein. It was bit. it was a nice add-on, and I blew it up, <laughs> didn't I? I did. Uh, yeah. uh, I know. Sorry about that. A large asteroid know. whizzed past the Earth. Boy, woo! That was I a didn't close see one. It. Yeah, <laughs> I looked out my window. What is that? Asteroid twenty nineteen. Okay. Asteroid that's 2019. 19. You couldn't okay. do better than that, really? No, yeah. that's, okay. no it's Asteroid 2019. Okay. That's the name uh, of the Oh, asteroid. that's the name. Yeah. Oh, I guess I should pay Appeared attention. from out of nowhere. According to data from NASA, the craggy rock was about 250 feet wide and moving fast along a path that brought it within about 45,000 miles of Earth. Yeah, that's a close call. Think, yeah. Well, that's a long ways away, but it's one-fifth of the distance to the moon. Yeah. Moon's sitting right there. It's only a fifth of the distance to that. This yeah. asteroid came yeah. by at 45,000 miles per hour, and scientists call that uncomfortably close. Yes, that like is. Like it could smell its breath. <laughs> well, tell us what kind of damage it could have done, Nathan. You mean uh, asteroid it had it 2019? 2019, okay. okay. How did it go undetected? I yeah. want to know. Yeah. It was smaller, for one thing. Asteroid 2019 okay, is nowhere near as big as the ones capable of causing an event like the dinosaur extinction. Right. So it couldn't have done that. Right. More than 90% of those asteroids, which are more than half a mile wide or larger, have already been identified by NASA. Asteroid 2019, okay, has a weird orbit. That's another reason they didn't see it. Okay. Because uh, it's a very elliptical orbit that takes it from beyond Mars to within the orbit of Venus. Gotcha which means the amount of time it spends near Earth isn't that long, and mm. they can't detect it as easily. Mm. And it was going real fast. That's... Yeah. <laughs> That's get it! Get it! <laughs> as it approached Earth, the asteroid was traveling at about 54,000 miles per hour. That's fast. Yeah. By contrast, other recent asteroids that flew by Earth clocked in between 9,000 and 42,000 miles per hour. So this That's is a big difference. That is a huge difference. Yeah, but this one was going 54,000. There's a nickname for asteroids that come so close to Earth. 
uh, which I think addresses your question, called City Killers. City, there you go. City Killers. Yeah. Yeah. Had it hit the Earth, asteroid 2019, okay, would have gone off like a good-sized nuclear weapon with enough force to destroy a city. Yeah. Uh, scientists are working on developing at least two ways to deflect bad asteroids, like asteroid 2019, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, one strategy involves gently pushing the asteroid slowly over time off its course and away from the Earth. The, uh, you know, I, yeah. I don't know exactly how they do that, but they probably send some uh, bulldozer out there into space. Yes, yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. Push they, it. They, <laughs> they push it. They get some the other is using a gravity tractor. According to NASA, if an asteroid is detected early enough, it could possibly be diverted by using the gravity of a spacecraft. Mm. So you fly a spacecraft near to it, and it kind of wants to pull over. It doesn't have to be pushed off course more than a gr degree, I would imagine, <coughs> yeah. or so, to be able to yeah. affect this. <laughs> you got to be careful where we're aiming at. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I was just thinking that. It's Let's say they do that. It's yeah. it's coming in, and they push it, and all of a sudden the moon disappears. Oops, it hits the moon, and oh, there's no moon. Yeah, yeah. so It glances off the moon. Well, yeah. And then it angles toward the Earth and after then, it hits the moon. It, that's it, it. Like a bank like, shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so you yeah, we, watch don't, that. we don't need that. Uh, but don't use nukes. No. You, it's bad no. to use nukes on asteroids. Uh, the problem with a nuke is not only that it may or may not work, but you'd be uh, looking at a radioactive asteroid after that. That's right. And yeah. many, many pieces of this thing would be flying. It I would know. be one pissed off, off asteroid. asteroid yeah. Yeah. If this news frightens you, may I recommend a donation to KUCI because you're listening? <laughs> Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio at 88.9 FM, KUCI.org. As we said last week, we're in part one of the climate crisis right now. I think, yes, I th if you want to call it part one, yeah, we'll call it part one. You want to call I, it part two? Part two seems more... more. Well, there's the introduction and there's, then there's part one. Yes. Let's call it the prologue then. We already the, had the prologue. The prologue was in 1970s, late 1970s, yeah. oil companies had identified the impact of fossil fuels on the environment yeah. in 1975, yeah. 76, 77, and, sa right. and said as much in their, in their papers, on their research papers, saying that it was having an impact on the atmosphere. So that's the prologue. Yeah. All right, to me. Right now, the climate crisis is one hitting the bottom lines of all sorts of companies. Yes. Besides the oil companies like BP, and they're wondering, do we leave our oil on the ground? No, they don't want to do that. They're rich bastards, that's why. That's right. They want to make a lot of money. That's right. They don't want to transform the economy. They're afraid. Yes. Or like Big Pharma, they're actually putting together drugs to account for the fact that the weather's going to be hotter and we're going to be suffering from diseases or just going crazy. Maybe they're getting, yeah. coming out with, with sedatives. Right. Climate no. change sedatives. I'm sure you're absolutely right. Or, for example, Balboa Peninsula real estate agents. Yes. Yeah. They're trying to figure out how to sell soon-to-be submerged properties to suckers. And don't tell me they're developing a conscience because that's not possible. Uh -huh. Okay? I yeah. know a realist, enough <laughs> about real estate agents to know yeah. that's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I were buying a home, which yeah. I couldn't ever... On the peninsula, yeah. and a real estate agent looked me in the eye and said, don't worry about climate change. <laughs> I would punch him in the face. You'd punch him in the face. I would. Yeah. 
and the climate change, of course, we know this, is intensifying our temperatures and storms and wildfires. Right. We always talked about that years and years ago. They said extreme weather yeah. is not only going to be extra hot, it's going to be extra cold. Right. And that variable between two fronts can cause all sorts of wacky things to happen that we haven't experienced in such an extreme form before. And the climate crisis is changing how we eat. Yes. I used to like eat real slow. No, I eat real fast because <laughs> I'm afraid. New meat substitutes are on fast food menus. Yes, impossible foods. Have you tried that impossible I have not burger? tried one. Yeah. I have not tried them yet. How about a melting Arctic shake? <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the thing about corporate America. It's going to turn this into some kind of marketing, yeah. uh, a new <clears throat> way of looking at things. You yeah. know, climate change, well, you know, embrace it. Hear me out. I'm going to give you about a minute of analysis here, okay. all right, if you don't mind. All right. I do, but go ahead. Okay. If the Trump administration has shown us anything that could be positive is that there is an immense amount of power within the president's authority yeah. with executive orders, with all kinds of things. Trump is kind of lighting the way to an enlightened a leadership coming in behind him. If you can get away with all this crap with Trump, we should be able to do the same thing with the next president who will not be Trump. Yeah. I say you nationalize the oil industry. If John Kennedy could do it to the steel industry in 1960s, it was considered a crisis. Why can't the president nationalize domestic oil companies and start keeping the oil in the ground? That would okay. be, That's a national emergency. All right. Yeah, there you go. And the other thing that's happened is the climate crisis is exacerbating global conflict due to migration and land shifts. In right. other words, right. it's underwater now. There are islands going underwater in right. the Pacific. That's going to bring about situations that could start conflicts. Yes. And can you imagine all the refugees pouring off the Balboa Peninsula and coming into Costa Mesa? No. No. Not That'd those people. And it's dividing the world. The climate change yes, is yes. between people who understand science and those other people. Yes. Who will be standing on the rooftops praying to God for the rapture. That's mm -hmm. what they're going to say. Yeah. This is just the rapture. We're just waiting. Here. Just the rapture. Speaking of seawalls, yes. Indonesia's president, Jaco Widodo. I love that name. Don't say that too many times on the air, okay? <laughs> Just, you, you were lucky on that one. Jaco right. Widodo. <laughs> uh, he said he wants to see the speedy construction of a giant seawall around Jakarta, that's Indonesia's capital, to prevent it from sinking under the sea. At the current rate, one-third of Jakarta could be submerged by 2050. Now, they don't have a comprehensive piped water network. Industry and homeowners have tapped into the city's aquifers instead. So, you know, they don't have, like, Irvine Ranch Water District. No. No. They just go down underneath Jakarta, and they're pumping all this up, and that's what's caused a lot of it to sink. There's several million people there, and the swampy ground has been sinking at an average of about four inches a year. Yeah. And you add that up. Doesn't take long to get a couple of feet going right, in there. Right. The climate crisis, the rising sea levels, will only increase the rate of flooding. Widodo also said he wants to build a new capital in a place that's not going to sink, which I think is a, a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Putin sent Russia's military to fight the climate crisis wildfires in Siberia. The climate crisis fires pose a potential disaster for the Arctic and the world's climate. As fires sweep across millions of acres, enveloping entire cities in black smoke and noxious fumes, it threatens to accelerate the melting of the Arctic. Eight 
million acres are burning. The fire is triggered by dry thunderstorms and temperatures above 86 degrees were spread by strong winds. That's what we call extreme weather. Yes, it is. Over 46,000 square miles were burned in wildfires this year. That's causing significant CO2 emissions and reducing the future capacity of forests to absorb the carbon dioxide. Right. So it's one of those exponential things again. Once again, it's the loop. Yeah. This thing is creating its own sort of system now. That's why it is important to start planting trees now because a lot of them are burning. They're saying that two trillion trees would be needed to mitigate climate change. It's possible through planting and developing, cultivating trees, about two trillion trees around the world would be enough to absorb the carbon that we're now spewing into the air. Be nice and shady, too. Be shady, (laughs) exactly. The right kind of trees, we could be living off many of those fruit-bearing trees if we did it right. We could be like hybrid trees. Yeah. I know. Sequoias that had giant apples on them. Or pine trees. Tree, so it would be pine a pineapple tree. Ooh, see that? Good see that idea. Yeah. yeah, very nice. Yeah. And soot is falling on ice and snow, darkening it mm-hmm. up there in the Arctic and yeah. Siberia, yeah. reducing the reflectiveness of the surface and trapping more heat. That's not good. No, yeah. no. On the plus side, the world's deepest non-floating wind farm, located off the coast of Scotland, switched on this week, providing enough power for 450,000 homes. The Beatrice Offshore Wind Farm uses 84 turbines to generate 588 megawatts of energy. That means it ranks as the fourth largest offshore wind farm in the world. Nice. It's almost as tall as the Eiffel Tower, those those towers. Yeah. And they have a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of these big wind towers. Yeah. And they have the deepest foundation jackets in the world. In other words, they go way down into the ocean floor yeah just so they don't tip over right a three billion dollar project which started its development about 10 years ago is expected to save eight million metric tons of carbon per year over its 25 year lifespan and other good news in that regard china is apparently embracing this technology they accounted for 40 percent of the new wind farm development in the world so good on china we have some of it here in California. In oh, fact, it is. originated here in California. That's right. That's right. There's parts of the country, the the Chinook that comes down out of Canada into the mid section of the country. Yeah. That's a, a a strong, sustained wind. There's a lot of areas around America that could be easily turned into wind farms. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on Tumblr at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com on Twitter and Instagram at KUCI FM and stream us live on TuneIn or go to KUCI.org and stream us from there. From our good friend at the LA Times, Michael Hiltzik. 21 Republican senators, led by Ted Cruz of Texas, sent a memo to Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin demanding that Mnuchin deliver a new tax cut using executive fiat decree. Yeah. It's kind of say, let the taxes be cut. <laughs> and, and so it would happen. The GOP is whining that the capital gains tax isn't indexed to inflation. Right. According to the Rich Bastard Party, the GOP taxpayers, including everyday Americans, are charged taxes on gains that are due purely to inflation, not to real appreciation of their stocks and bonds. And, of course, 
all everyday Americans have plenty of stocks and bonds. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Nathan and I were just discussing our portfolios before the show. And uh, yeah, yeah. In other words, uh, what they're saying is the $100 you paid for a share of stock in 1990 would be about $200 in today's money. So under the Rich Bastard Party proposal, you could sell it for $400. You would pay only an inflation-adjusted gain of $200, Based not the it. nominal gain of $300. Right. But then Michael Hiltzik points out that to say capital gains taxes ignore inflation is just a lie straight off the bat. Yeah. The effect of inflation is embedded in the capital gains tax system in a lot of ways. Tax rate is lower than the rate on ordinary wage income, yeah. so it's there. Yeah. The second yeah. thing that's wrong with it is changing the capital gains tax structure by fiat would circumvent the Democratic-controlled House and Ways Committee, where all fiscal legislation must originate, or it's uh, an effing constitutional. Yeah. Again, a pox on their house for trying to do this, or at least suggesting to do this. This is the thing I just talked about. If this is possible, yeah. if you're telling me that by fiat you can do all of these things, again, when a Democrat or someone who's better than Trump comes in, these things, I, I know what they're going to do. They're going to close the door on all this stuff as they walk out the door. In that lame duck session, yeah. the Republicans, I guarantee, will take away all the power of the presidency on their way out the door. Probably. Yeah. Uh-huh. And third, the change the Republicans demand would be hellishly complicated. Yeah. You can imagine you'd have to identify when you bought every single stock. Yeah. Then you'd have to agree on which index to use to determine the rate of inflation because there are many right. different indexes. I'm sure there's software. Or there will be software for that. But the other part of this is it makes it nearly impossible to track the truthfulness of what you're doing. Exactly. What is software? It's yeah. just how we program it. Right, right. So the IRS goes in to audit you with your gigantic portfolio. Yeah. And you're just one guy, and you have this very complex set of calculations for why you didn't pay any taxes last uh -huh. year. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a nightmare. It'd be a real, real horror show. And lastly, even more than the 2017 tax cut, this cut would go almost exclusively to rich bastards. Yeah. The top 1% would collect more than 86% of the benefits. The bottom 90% would get 2.5% of the benefits. That's enough. And the change would cost the Treasury $100 billion to $200 billion over 10 years. Well, then we'd have to start cutting the, that Social Security and Medicare. Yeah. I mean, I, come, on, come on, Nathan. we got to be responsible. We ran out of money. Who's paying for this stuff? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, thanks again to uh, Michael Hiltzik <laughs> yes. at the LA Times. Thank you, Michael. In a week... When Boris Johnson, a wealthy, foppish New York City-born former journalist with dyed blonde hair who is currently divorcing his second wife, was sworn in as the United Kingdom's new prime minister, and when Ronald Reagan was proven to be a racist ice hole, and when the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that Trump could use $2.5 billion of Pentagon funds to build a border wall, and when Moscow Mitch McConnell got pissy because people were finally figuring out he's a Russian asset and calling him <laughs> Moscow Mitch. And I'd like to say, what's wrong with Moscow, Mitch? Yeah. <laughs> it's like Corona Del Mar Mike. Huh? Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with Corona Del Mar, yeah, Nathan? On, Mitch. He's taking money from Moscow. And Deripaska's building an aluminum plant, spending $100 million in his state. Kentucky. Right after they lifted the sanctions on 
Deripaska, hmm. one of the oligarchs. Why is he Russia. so upset? I don't know. I have What's no idea. Apparent. And in a week when Trump announced that he had signed a safe third country agreement with Guatemala that would require any immigrant who traveled to the U.S. through Guatemala to have first applied for asylum there. In a week when all that happened, it was reported that two demographic trends are expected to reshape the U.S. over the next 30 years. One is that the average age of Americans will creep steadily upward. The average age. Yeah. I mean, we know we're going to get older. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to get younger. Yeah. Uh, the other is that white Americans, as a percentage of the population, will slip steadily downward. According to the Pew Research Center, the most common age in the United States is 27. But it's not the same across racial or ethnic groups. Right. Among black Americans, the most common age is 27, as it is for non-white Americans overall. The most common age among whites, 58. Yikes. 58. Yikes. Nearly 6 in 10 non-white U.S. residents are younger than 38. Non-white, younger than 38. 56% of whites are 38 or older. The other side of this coin is older voters and white voters tend to vote more heavily than younger or non-white voters. That's right. But we can take care of that. Hope so. For example, in 2016, white voters made up 70% of the vote. Trump earned 57% of the white vote, but he lost the popular vote by two points. Yeah, he lost yeah. by almost three million votes. Yeah. A fact that doesn't get nearly enough attention. Whenever people talk about Trump winning the presidency, they should always say, even though he lost the popular vote. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, Mahler. What is it? What is it? You want another Trump story, huh? Okay, not long ago, in 2012, John Ratcliffe was the mayor of Heath, Texas. That's a little podunk town of less than 8,000 people. That's seven years ago. But according to our good friend Charles Pierce at Esquire, unless God or common sense intervenes, John Ratcliffe, now a member of Congress, is going to be the new toady of national intelligence. Right. He's going to be the director of intelligence for the nation. Right. Ratcliffe got the job because he did some crazy shite when the uh, Mueller... Yeah, when Mueller was, was being down, questioned. Yeah. On the, yeah. That was last week at the House Judiciary Committee hearing. He's the guy, if you remember who said that the Democrats and socialists on the other side of the aisle are reading things from a report that was not authorized under the law to be written. Yeah. That's crazy. Every time now, this is the, you know, of course, the Republicans fall in line. They're not good at anything except following orders. And the message was, every chance you get, you say Democrat and socialist in the same sentence. Now, yeah, I always loved the Democratic Socialist Post Office yeah. and the Democratic Socialist Fire Department. I like the Democratic Socialist Library. Oh, I love going there. Yeah, yeah. I love I love the Democrat Socialist f- Parks. Yeah, National Parks. The National Yosemite, Parks. Yosemite, that's just filled with Yeah, it's filled Democratic with socialists. socialists. Uh, that's, that's, you know, I love I love the, 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 the socialist beaches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the California beaches. I, I love the, the socialist beaches there. roadways uh-huh. and, and freeways yeah. and public schools. Uh, yeah, I love all of the They're socialists. Socialist, yeah. I just feel so, so at home. So social. So social. (laughs) Trump, of course, loved Ratcliffe's BS. Yes, of course he did. He was looking for a replacement for Dan Coats, who had the audacity on several occasions to point out that Trump doesn't know anything about anything. 
according to Charles Peterson, according to anyone who's been watching things. (laughs) Coates, a former senator and longtime pillar of the Republican establishment, angered Trump by providing non-Trumpian assessments of Russia, North Korea, and other matters. That's right. He just gave the other take, which consultants are supposed to do. That's right. If you hire somebody to direct national intelligence, you want to see the other side because you're supposed to have an idea yourself and you balance it against that. So Coates told Trump last week that it was time to move on. He was leaving. His departure removes one of the most prominent national security officials willing to contradict the president. Ratcliffe is confirmed by the Senate. He'll be Trump's toady of intelligence, which is frightening because he has no intelligence experience. Nor does he have much intelligence to begin yeah, with. Yeah. yeah. According to Charles Pierce, the most important reason Ratcliffe was appointed is because if Trump is elected to a second term, the Trump toadies are going to have fake investigations into Democrats that are going to make Benghazi look like the appeal on a jaywalking citation. The pieces are now being arranged on the board so the American intelligence community can put its full force behind selling the Fox News counter narrative to the truth about the criminality of the Trump administration. John Radcliffe, as director of national intelligence, is a big part of that strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, also this week... Trump appointed William Perry Pendley to head the Bureau of Land Management. The appointment comes at a critical time for the Bureau of Land Management, which manages more than a tenth of the nation's land and oversees the federal government's oil, gas, and coal leasing program. Two weeks ago, Interior officials announced that the department would reassign 84% of the Bureau's D.C. staff out west by the end of the year. So they're really breaking up the system. A lot of people are resigning now. We now have Pendley now. This guy comes in to a fracturing Bureau of Land Management. And in his three decades, since serving under another racist president, Ronald Reagan, Pendley sued the Interior Department on behalf of oil and gas prospectors. He sued the Interior Department. He sought to undermine protections of endangered species like the grizzly bear and pressed to radically reduce the size of federal lands to make way for development. The Founding Fathers intended all lands owned by the federal government to be sold. That's what Pendley says. And he's going to be managing the national parks and federally owned properties and allowing them to be drilled for oil or mined for coal. You know, Mike, I have a confession to make. Go ahead. I like Marianne Williamson. I know she's crazy. I, th- I don't know crazy is the right word, but... Well, she has no chance of winning, yeah. number one. Yes, that's true. And she has a crazy past in magical thinking yeah. as far as AIDS and vaccinations go. Okay. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite jokes is about AIDS, Mike. It's Will Sarah, we still be on Sarah, the air next week if you tell it's it? It's a Sarah Silverman joke. Oh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. know. The, yeah. I, know. Yeah. I don't think you should say that joke, oh. honey. What? Really? I don't know. You know, Mike, when God gives you AIDS, and of course you know that God does give you AIDS. Yes, of course, I know that. Make lemon AIDS. Okay. Yeah. The news and views (laughs) expressed on this program may not necessarily be That's not an opinion. No, I I understand. That's not an opinion. That's nothing to you. It's a joke. I lost many friends to AIDS, and it makes me sad. It's a horrible, horrible disease, and Reagan was not only a racist icehole, but he should have done so much more. What was it like the sixth year of his presidency before Before he he even acknowledged that there was AIDS? That's right. So anyway, at the debate this week. As the other nine Democrats were yeah. bouncing back and forth over differing visions on how to address the health care access problem, 
Williamson said, when we're talking about health care, we need to talk about more than just the health care plan. We need to realize we have a sickness care rather than a health care system. We need to be the party talking about why so many of our chemical policies and our food policies and our agricultural policies and our environmental policies and even our economic policies are making people sick to begin with. Yes. That's what she said. Right on, sister. Yeah, She's absolutely is, yeah. right. Absolutely. Williamson also argued for reparations for African Americans to try to mitigate generations of racial injustice. Good. Yeah. And then said, our problem as Democrats is not just that we have to defeat Donald Trump. We need a plan to solve institutionalized hatred, collectivized hatred, and white nationalism. And in order to do that, we need more than a political insider game and wonkiness and intellectual argument. Those things will not defeat Donald Trump. We need some radical truth-telling. I think she's absolutely right. We need right. to shake people up a little bit and have them see what is going on. And she and her analysis is spot on when it comes to this healthcare system. She yeah. I thought she crystallized it beautifully and I'm glad she said what she said. I like I, her voice. It, I like to hear that yes, yes. in a debate. That's why I like her. I don't want her to be president. That's way unrealistic on a lot of terms. I don't think she'd make a good president. The last part of what she said. Uh-huh. I want politics that, that goes much deeper. I want politics that speaks to the heart. Because the only way to fight, you keep talking about we're going to fight Donald Trump. You can't fight dog whistles. You have to override them. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely right. Speaking of pie-in-the-sky plans, leaked planning documents prepared for Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman revealed his plans to spend $500 billion to create a city-state in the 10,000-square-mile area of desert there in Saudi Arabia. Neom, as it's called, would have flying taxis, an artificial moon made of drones, holograms of teachers, I know what that's about, (laughs) robot dinosaurs, robot cage fights, and zero-work stress-related diseases. I don't know how he's going to do this. I want the sand to glow, Ben Salman said. And he does. He wants to have glowing sand. All right. Now, what's going to do there? The development of Neom close to the borders of Jordan with a bridge crossing the Red Sea into Egypt would require the forced relocation of more than 20,000 people who have inhabited the region for generations. But so what? We get glowing sand in the deal. Yeah. The futuristic city would also include robots that would cook clean, undoubtedly have sex, and fight in head-to-head combat with other robots for entertainment. I'm thinking they'll have Jamal Khashoggi and women's right activists, robots there. And they'll be there. And they'll be cut up. and... And finally, in Missouri, a birthday cake for a two-year-old bought from Walmart was mistakenly inscribed with the message, Happy Birthday, Loser. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.